We're going to focus today on, uh, you know, I, I made the sermon title Hypocrites and Folly because I just thought that sounded nice, but it, it's really what we're going to talk about today is uh, proper behavior. And, um, you know, I don't know that it's something that, uh, especially in the UCC, that we're real comfortable with talking about. Um, we're pretty good at talking about proper behavior out there in the world. That's an injustice. That's wrong. But this passage more focuses on personal, appropriate behavior. And we're not as good talking about that, but we'll get back to that in a few minutes. But uh, as we get started, there are a couple of the pairing and sharing questions that I think we'll, we've decided now we'll, we'll discuss as a small group. Do you feel like a nice, intimate, small group together here? Um, so if you look in your bulletin, you see a couple of questions. And there could be some other ones. These are just the ones that popped into my brain. Um, the first one was, uh, what does a good person look like? Any of you ever seen a good person? So just that, what's your first reaction to that question? There's no answer to that. Okay. Do you look for them? Or is it from within? So you don't necessarily, because this passage is focusing on the behaviors you see. So maybe that's another way to say it. What is, in a good person, what, how do you know when you see their behaviors, can you tell? So what are some of the signs you see? You know, you meet a stranger on the street and, and um, you never met them before, but you go home with some good impression. Compassion. Compassion. Honesty. Smile in the face that shows that they're concerned. Smile in the face that shows that they're concerned. So I want all strangers. We see a lot of strangers. Uh-huh. Right. So what you're really so what you're really describing is that uh, part of a good behavior here is just to show openness to everyone and, and, until they prove something otherwise to you, I guess. But all right. There are some cultures though that don't acknowledge facially, it's an offense to be not get by. So you can't. It's a nice thing to do in our culture. Other cultures. Right, like. Yeah, like for me, looking somebody in the eye is a way to acknowledge them. Now, staring at them for three minutes is not, you know, but that is a culturally sort of thing. Uh, even within the United States, I think there's different regions that treat that a little different, different groups. say something a couple minutes ago. Well, I'm just thinking of something that the people think they focus outward rather than always focusing inward on, on themselves and their own needs. So, 
So when you see somebody focusing outward instead of on themselves, then then you say, hey. Right. That's why we're having this great conversation here. So, other other things that come to mind. Being polite. Being polite. Being polite. Now, the being polite can sometimes conflict with some of the other things, like uh, like. You know, being honest, for example. Um, so, like, I do have New York roots. And uh, New Yorkers sometimes have a reputation of being brutally honest just after they met you. Whereas in the South, there's a reputation of, even if they hate you, they're going to treat you nice as if you're the best person in the world, right? Um, so, <laughs> and those may be over-stereotypes. People are different in even in those places, but um, so now we get a little bit into the complexity of how these interact with each other, these different qualities. Trust you can trust them to do what they say they're going to do. So, uh, so language is a key for you. How do you use words appropriately? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, let's uh, look at the second question a little bit. How does a person learn good behavior? Respect, respect all. Respect all. Where do you learn that? Where do you learn that, Connie? So where did you learn to respect others? From my parents. From your parents. Okay. source, and it's probably the first and primary source, but if you can't get it there, and we all know that we have a ton of broken families, and often those are people who came from other broken situations, not always. Um, so if, if you're not getting it there, where else can you learn it? Friends. Friends? Teachers. Teachers. Church. Mm-hmm. Yep. You 
So you kind of learn it from the experience of falling and getting up and falling and getting up and figuring that out. But what's interesting is that some people go through that process um, and it puts them on a downward trajectory. And for other people, there's something within them that helps them to learn and be, you might say, sharpened through that experience. Um, but you know, sometimes it's hard to figure why one goes this way and one goes the other. Sure. Do you think we live in a society with generally good behavior? I think that's one of the reasons that I focus, wanted to focus on this today is because I, I think we're going through a crisis, which, you know, if you think about it, you almost could have predicted it because we've come out of a time when a lot of people a couple generations ago, even you know, even some still here in this room, we, we grew up in places where, whether it was right or not, the norms about good behavior were pretty established. It wasn't like choose from five ways. It was, this is kind of the way, and this is the only way I ever knew, <laughs> you know? And um, maybe when you grew up, you went across the village, across the mountains, or another village, and found out they had different norms of behavior, right? But by that point, you were pretty established and comfortable in yours. Um, but now, uh, very few people in our culture are growing up with any community norms, you might say, right? Um, and that's been going on now for a while. So it's almost, should have been predictable that we hit this crisis moment, where it seems like um, bad behavior is being sold as good behavior <laughs> in some cases, you know. At least it seems that way to me, you know. Um, so I think we're coming to the head on the cultural crisis, but that did make me think that kind of a communal understanding of what is generally considered good behavior it's helpful. It's really hard to survive, isn't it, if everyone has to figure it out kind of for themselves? You know? Um, sometimes a communal understanding maybe can go too far and put things too much in a box, but we seem we're on the other extreme now, right? Um, and I think I was seeing that as I was looking at the scripture today. Um, uh, Jenny, you have something on your mind? I have a thought. You know, mm -hmm. Do you think that, <coughs> that people don't know good behavior now, but bad behavior is more acceptable? More so rewarded. They just keep doing it. And we really know It's probably both um, that are going on right now. I don't know what others think. But I also think that um, every time we have a, a new and good way to communicate broadly, it always has positives and negatives. And one of the negative sides of social media is that um, the badder I act, the more attention I get. <laughs> right? So, 
That was probably bad grammar, but it seemed like the right way to say it. <laughs> is that sometimes we're too tired from everything else that we're not even ready to deal with what might really be at stake, either for ourselves, for our family, for our community, um, for the consequences of that bad behavior on somebody else. Uh, so sometimes we look away because we're just too strung out ourselves, right? Um, we don't know the story. We don't know the science of an issue. Mm-hmm. different the context obviously and um, if somebody has bad behavior within a church context I mean St. Paul and other writings talks pretty clearly about what you do you know you, you go tell the person you don't embarrass them publicly you go tell the person directly what you thought they did wrong um, and if they won't listen then you bring somebody else from the church with you you know um, if if they still won't listen then you, you bring you bring it to the leadership of the church that then decides what to do about it. And it goes through this whole process, kind of a responsibility process of the steps you take in a way that tries to do the right thing but tries to keep that person who did something wrong uh, dignity in place um, in the process, um, hoping that they'll, that they'll respond. So 
I think that one of the things that we could be better at as a church um, is helping in this, you know, Lisa, you talked a little bit about discerning where God is in this, and so there's a little bit of that. How do we discern um, from our faith understanding? Um, you know, it's not our job to right every wrong in the world, but so when when should we enter into something, when should we not? Um, and then when we're going to enter into something, what's a process that we can kind of agree upon about how we take steps and don't just scream on social media about it or something, but uh, responsibly deal with it in a way that will both solve the problem but uh, respect and keep the dignity of everybody involved um, intact. I think we don't spend enough time thinking through how to do those and helping each other on that, so that's something we could get better at, I think. So, um, You know, another reason I started to think about some of this. I mean, it's been it's been quite a week in our overall culture. Um, you know, the I'm sure a lot of you have been following the whole process of uh, Senator John McCain's dying and how he planned out months ahead of time what this whole week was going to look like, right? Um, and my wife thinks I'm crazy, but I watched the entire three-hour National Cathedral Memorial funeral for him. Um, uh, it was on yesterday morning, but I watched it last night. But because I, I was thinking about this question, because it's clear that one of the things that he did was that he looked at bad behavior growing in our culture, and you know, many people would say his one of the honorable things about his life is no matter what, he tried to have good behavior. He admits a lot of mistakes. But in a lot of ways, he planned out this week after his death, months ago, to speak back to the whole, to our whole culture. Oops, sorry about that. To speak back to our whole culture about um, calling us back to a better part of ourselves. But was it appropriate? One reason I watched the whole uh, service last night was um, to make my own decision on that. Because um, here you are at a funeral, and it was apparent, especially hearing his daughter Megan speak, that it was a direct attack against that bad behavior, and in their mind, led by the president. Okay? Um, and it, it was veiled through much of the service, unless you recognized what McCain had decided to do ahead of time. But it was not veiled when, uh, you know, when Meghan McCain said, uh, you know, we don't need to make America great again. It's always been great, and that's what John McCain knew and continued to fight for. Um, and the place broke in applause. You don't go to too many funerals where it's universal, like applause all of a sudden. Usually people don't think that it's appropriate to do that. So. I don't share that to speak on the political side of it, because I actually think it was talking about our culture. Um, but was that appropriate response is one of the questions we could have conversation about, to have um, a whole bunch of eulogies that were weaving John McCain's values in as a counter and directly countering uh, what he thought was happening in our culture now. Is that appropriate? 
Yes, yes. Um, and, and hopefully, I think in John McCain's mind, he wanted this moment to be a moment where we remembered the best of ourselves. And that he tried to exemplify it, but made mistakes. Um, but he wanted to remind us that that's really who we are. That we're not all this other bad behavior going on out there. Um, and... Uh, that's a lesson that's uh, beyond where you stand politically. It's a lesson about how we act, even across political differences or whatever. And um, so really, you know, I think there's, there's a lot going on this time that made this scripture passage uh, very appropriate for us to think about, to all think about our own behavior, because I tend to think I'm a good person. And I try to have good behavior. But we know, I know about myself, that the more charged a situation is that we're in, the more tense it is, the more somebody else pushes our button, the easier it is for me to move across into the bad behavior side. <laughs> right? It, it's, it's, it happens just like that. It doesn't take much for it to happen. Um, just have to hit that right button. Um, so, um, I, I think that, um, you know, we could spend an hour talking about many examples of bad behavior that are going on in our society. You heard me talk a couple weeks ago about the bad behavior issues and how it's being dealt with in the Catholic Church, and I gave some strong feelings on that. Um, but also in the context of this bad behavior in our culture right now, we have the other side of the spectrum. We have the evangelical Christians, uh, just a handful of pastors who are defending bad behavior at the highest levels because this way we'll get policies passed we want. It's, you know, it, it's a crazy time and it has to make you wonder how we're going to get back on a good behavior track again. You know, um, but I also think we have a problem within uh, progressive Christianity, of which the United Church of Christ is a part of, and many of you here are a part of, because um, we have tended to want to spend more time talking, as I said earlier, about social justice kind of issues, which has to do with overall injustice, which is an accumulation of bad behavior and prejudices and hate and whatever it might be. But we're not always real comfortable talking about personal bad behavior. Which this scripture reading gets kind of right into the middle of. Okay, um, And I think part of that, you know, like three of the twelve in the listing here of uh, kind of bad behavior, three of the twelve are what we would say sexual ones, fornication, adultery, licentiousness. Now, if you don't know, I had to remind myself in looking up licentiousness that it means promiscuous sexual behavior. Um, and fornication just means intercourse outside of marriage. Um, and adultery means violating your marriage by having sexual relationships with somebody else. Um, and 
We're not real comfortable talking about those because uh, our kind of church is a response to the kind of church that kind of condemned people for their sins and made them over time feel more guilty and didn't make them feel like they could really move forward unless they just started doing the right thing right away. And that may have not been rightly said, but that's how people felt. They felt overly judged because they weren't perfect in some churches. And in our response to that, we're almost afraid to talk about some of these things. You know? So a lot of UCC pastors, when they do marriage prep, not real comfortable talking about you know, what your sexual relationship history is leading up to this first marriage that you're about to get into and how, how have you built a, a readiness to, be, um, to, have, to make those vows and be trustworthy in a marriage. We've tended not to be real comfortable talking about that because we don't want to scare somebody away. They've already been scared away from other churches, right? But in the process of doing that, we don't have important conversations sometimes that we need to have and we don't know how to have them it becomes kind of an awkward sort of thing. And uh, we also don't have enough conversations about some of the other ones mentioned in here. Um, So I I like folly, um, which is why I put it in the uh, sermon title. Uh, Because do you know what folly means? What's that? Yeah, kind of lacking good sense. Just doing things that don't have make any good sense at all. Anybody ever done that? <laughs> yeah. Um, but in some ways, isn't it valuable whether it's folly or pride or slander, which we tend to think of as a directly, meanly slandering somebody else's reputation? But in so many ways... Almost every single one of us, I know of me, say things that are not appropriate to say about other people. And we say it to somebody else, and it sets in their mind a judgment about that person. Um, slander could be the slightest sort of thing, or it can be some big thing that ruins somebody's entire career, right? Um, but it's a bunch of little slanders add up to something big over time. Envy. Deceit. It's different than lying in a way because, you know, a lie is a direct untruth, but deceit is an intention to steer away from the honest or the transparent path, right? Um, And hopefully somebody won't notice. They'll go this other way that I want to lead them to. Wickedness, avarice, murder. We don't have any murderers here, probably, but but almost every one of these applies to all of us. Um, and then there's theft. Um, but you know, we could spend an hour on each one of these and talk about the details of what they are, when we've seen them in our lives, ones that we've seen in ourselves, and how can we, as a community, uh, come together, knowing we're unconditionally loved by God and find a path both for healing from the things that we have done in these areas. Um, because isn't that really what um, what Jesus is? You know, Jesus is not just talking about these, these bad behavior things here, but he's talking about the hypocrisy. 
that we ignore some of these things we're doing while we judge somebody else, right? Uh, and that's... So the, uh, the path to good behavior in treating others well is to first find a place where we can honestly talk about ourselves. Talk about when we've fallen short, why we have fallen short, what we can do about that now. Is there something we can do to make up? How we forgive ourselves and accept God's forgiveness? Because that's a key in order to not repeating bad behavior um, is to being free to have a different tomorrow than you have today. Um, so I'm hoping, I'm hoping that maybe with this scripture today, we can find ways in this church um, as an example in the United Church of Christ of a progressive Christian church um, to support each other more in these individual good behavior, bad behavior sort of things and help each other figure out um, how it is we can, uh, we can act better and be better. Um, and when I need to be reminded of how hard it is to move into bad behavior, I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't take much, you know? It doesn't take much to go down the cranky direction all of a sudden it can be the slightest thing. It can be a chemical that you're allergic to in, in, in your, your brain, and all of a sudden you're not doing things well and you didn't pay attention to what it was. Um, or it can be, many of you have had the same experience, it can be um, watching somebody um, whose health is struggling really bad, who themselves says cranky or maybe even mean things to you when you're sitting there trying to love them, and, um, and what do you do now? What judgments do you make about them in that moment and about yourself? Um, so this is a call for us to consider not just doing social justice work out there in the world to, to right all the big problems. That's really, really important work and the UCC has been at the forefront of so much of that but to come home and to pay attention at an individual level to who we are, created in the image and likeness of God, unconditionally loved by God, but broken and in need of a healthy path back to solid good behavior. And the more we can focus on that in our lives, maybe we can be part of the solution of bringing our whole culture back to some good behavior in a healthier environment for all. May God help us in this endeavor.